some people stand in the darkness, afraid to step into the light. Some people need to help somebody when the edge of surrender's in sight. Don't you worry. It's going to be all right because I am always ready. I won't let you out of my sight. This is the Pool Scene Podcast. We've come out swinging in season nine, already covering quiz show and speed. And we're just a couple weeks away from episode one zero zero. That's right. Episode 100. You're going to have to wait to find out what that's going to be. We're certainly not going to reveal it during this nonsense episode. Yes, I said nonsense. In fact, the ridiculous thing that we're covering this week, not a movie, but a clash of two things, a bash at the beach, if you will. Actually, that's literally what it is. (laughs) That's what it was. As we cover season six, episode 15 of Baywatch titled Bash at the Beach starring wrestlers from now defunct WCW. I'm Kevin. I'm joined by my co-host Jim. So this is a, a swim meet series for those uninitiated who haven't taken their swim lessons. That's right. Swim meet series is when we cover a non-movie, so be it episode of a television show, a game show, unknown boy band from Canada, yeah. <laughs> a game show, a music video, whatever yes. it may be. That is falls under the swim meet series banner. And this week, again, Baywatch meets WCW. Jim, how would you describe Baywatch? To someone born after 2000, basically if, if the movie didn't exist. In a nutshell, hot chicks, swimsuits, David Hasselhoff. So it was an action-adventure drama that ran for 11 seasons. So from 1989 to 90 on NBC as one thing, then from 91 to 2001 on first-run syndication. However, it was overhauled or even like rebooted in 99 as Baywatch Hawaii. So we had 89 to 90 on NBC, 91 to 99 as the Baywatch everyone knows. The Baywatch. And then after 99 to 2001, Baywatch Nights. (laughs) Which is ridiculous. There were also three direct-to-video movies and then a feature film in 2017. I would like to get my hands on VHS copies of those direct-to-video movies. We will never see them out in public. I guarantee it. I, for some reason, have this feeling that I saw one of them somewhere and I didn't get it. I just have a feeling it's going to be like a neon pink cover that is so 90s. And of course, Pamela Anderson's right on the cover. It's going to be in a rental case with jizz on it. I would say so. Just do me a favor, huh? Make me look good. Basically, the show revolved around a team of lifeguards with each plot being centered around something happening at the beach, which included earthquakes and a serial killer. <laughs> On it's a couple of occasions. Very much a softcore PG-13 soap opera that takes place at the beach because there are very much like these soap opera elements to it. I'd say it's more remembered as cheesy action with the focus being models in bikinis in slow motion. The opening credit scene got a lot of kids through puberty. That's pretty time. much all I remember remember about the show not the show itself but just like i remember the theme and the slow motion running the red bikinis despite almost universally universally negative reviews at one point baywatch was the most watched show in the world with 1.1 billion viewers worldwide Thank you. Yeah. Now, let me tell you about WCW. (laughs) This is where the big boys play. This is WCW. 
Well, first, Jim, how would you describe WCW to someone born after 2000? It's the WWF, but at the time, way more money to throw around like crazy. When you let the inmates run the asylum, that's what they come up with. That's pretty much perfect. It's like WWF, but if you let the wrestlers run the show. World Championship Wrestling was founded in 1988 by Ted Turner. Yes, that Ted Turner. Turner Broadcasting System, which you know as TBS, purchased the assets of National Wrestling Alliance, or NWA territory, Jim Crockett Promotions, whose wrestling product was currently airing on TBS. Now, I was lucky enough to wrestle on the NWA 60th anniversary tour. That's awesome. Which was pretty fun. One of my favorite things. WCW was a flailing company for much of its existence, going through several management regimes. Things never really clicked for WCW from a success standpoint until Eric Bischoff took over and enticed the likes of Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and Macho Man Randy Savage to come over from then WWF. Oh, yeah. And WWF was very resentful. Oh, big time. Running the Huckster and Nacho Man ads. Billionaire Ted. WCW was eventually surpassed in the Monday Night Wars by WWF and then never recovered until WCW was eventually purchased by WWF culminating with a WWF WCW simulcast of sorts, March 26, 2001. And I was there. And you were there. So when WCW went on the air, it was Shane McMahon. Uh, The angle that could have been absolutely perfect that Vince wrecked. Really blew it. I love WCW. Specifically, I love some of the baffling, so good it was bad, or rather so bad it was good, wrestle crap like the Yeti. (laughs) Judy Bagwell on a pole match. Yes, the monster truck match. Oh, we're... Where the fucking giant dies. Yeah, basically. And he shows up an hour later. There's countless examples. Too much to count. Yes, but I also love that they were fearless about bringing in performers from Mexico and Japan, and then later filling much of their programming with young talent like Mike Sanders, Mark Jindrak, Sean O'Hare, and so on. That's right. Because that was like the last year of WCW was amazing, because finally, like, WCW had a big problem, not to go too much on a tangent, of paying people to stay home. Yeah. They were paying these people like $300,000 under contract, guaranteed, and they weren't there. And then you had like their top guys like Kevin Nash, who was paid X amount of dollars for X number of appearances. Well, because he was a smart businessman, he would purposely do as many appearances as he could early in the year because then one of two things happened. He got to go home for the rest of the year to a beach somewhere on vacation or they would pay him like out of contract $50,000 per appearance type fees and you wonder why this company doesn't exist anymore so that leads us to Baywatch and WCW joining forces for an episode the best tag team ever normally we do plot before listing the characters and the acting credits but I wanted to switch it up to set the table for what to expect so we're going to do characters first this week David Hasselhoff as Mitch Buchanan He's like, is he the head lifeguard? He's the grizzled veteran. He's like the chief. He's the captain. He has a son who doesn't appear in this episode. Thank God. Pamela Anderson as CJ Parker, also known as Pamela Denise Anderson. And Pamela Lee. Yeah. Yasmin Bleeth or Yasmin Bleeth. Yeah. As Caroline Holden. David Chokichi. Lex Luger incarnate. Cody Madison. His rig is on display. (laughs) It's right there. In the, uh, he's wearing like a banana hammock in the uh, credits. Jesus. Gina Lee Nolan as Neely Capshaw. Alexandra Paul as Stephanie Holden. That's Jim's girl. (laughs) 
Hulk Hogan as himself or a version of himself, Randy Macho Man Savage as himself, Ric Flair as himself, himself, Big Van Vader as himself, the Taskmaster Kevin Sullivan as himself, Tazmire. <laughs> and then we've got some uncredited cameo appearances like Jimmy Hart and Dennis Rodman. I didn't see Dennis Rodman. At the very end, as they're walking back into the, the curtain, you see the back of Rodman. So just quickly, who's your MVP in this one? Jesus Christ. The ADR guy? Yes. Because the ADR in this show is absolutely atrocious. Whoa, mercy. Hey, Holster, you're sure looking good. I think you need to give it to... What? We didn't even mention Sonny. He's the head of the That's youth right. center. The Venice Beach, who I said looks like generic Jackie Mason. Yeah. I like Sonny. I, I gotta go Hogan. Well, I was pretty reckless yesterday. I probably never should have stood up on the ski like that. I'd like to thank you and all your friends again for saving my life. Well, you were pretty reckless. How's your head? Well, it's a lot better than the ski. It was totaled when it hit me. You're kidding. Yeah, I'm kidding. He I, has his creative control. I, Hogan is not a good dude, but like he is responsible for so many unintentionally hilarious things in life. He's just like a sex tape where he rolls over and says, I shouldn't have eaten that sushi. Yeah. Mr. Nanny and Suburban Commando, Commando and No, no Holds, Holds Barred. Barred. Thunder in Paradise. Loved Thunder in Paradise. And like everything he was in because he gave like an earnest effort at acting. Because he thought he was really good at and it. And he wasn't. It's was horrible. All right. Let's talk about the plot of Baywatch Bash at the Beach. Oh, boy. Our episode begins with a jet ski race between Macho Man Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan. ADR! Hogan accidentally jumps a wave and goes, what, 50 feet vertical? He defied gravity. And then the jet ski comes down and lands directly on his head. We shit you not. It squashes the fuck out of him. Yeah. But he's fine. Yes. Well, sort of. Yeah. So he's unconscious and he's pulled out of the water by CJ and Caroline. And six other blonde lifeguards. He has no pulse, but they revive him with CPR. When he wakes up, he thinks, I finally went to heaven, which is a play on, play, Jim, play a second of When Hogster Gets to Heaven. Oh my God, it's Hulk Hogan. What do you know? I did get to heaven. You're right. I'm in heaven? No, you're Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Hogan, when he first went WCW, released Hulk Hogan and the Wrestling Boot Band, Ugh. which has a song called Beach Patrol, which is awesome. Hulkster's in the house when Hulk gets to heaven. The dude's got a gigantic ego. You think? He writes this Mr. Perfect song. I mean, just the whole, what? It's crazy. After Hogan is revived and thinks he's in heaven, we see lifeguard Stephanie Holden, who's excited for a beach picnic with her boyfriend, Tom. Let's explain something real quick about Stephanie. Kevin and I, through our research of Baywatch, Stephanie at one point, her and Mitch were long-term lovers. They worked together. You know, that always ends in disaster, which it did. However, almost every other episode, Stephanie is with some other guy. Yeah. And she is the last person you would think on this show collectively would be kind of a hoe. Including, uh, she's with Black Bean Salad in the Earthquake <laughs> episode. Mitch, meet Riley Ferguson. Riley, this is Mitch Buchanan. Mitch, how you doing? Good thing. The guy's name is Black Bean Salad. Not really. Take, or maybe it is. <laughs> he dyed his hair with Black Bean Salad. Go to Hulu and find out for yourself. So she hasn't been dating Tom that long, but she feels like she's known him her whole life. I love him. During that date, her boyfriend, Tom, who's he's a doctor of some sort, he notices... Dermatologist. A mole on her leg that's red around the edges. How long has this mole been red around the edges? <sighs> I don't know. 
I don't look at the back of my legs that often. Well, you really should, especially with all the sun you get. I use sunscreen. I tan safely. There's no such thing as a safe tan, you know. You know something? I want you in my office tomorrow morning, first thing. And I mean it. But then Hulk Hogan shows up to the lifeguard facility the next day. <laughs> Meanwhile, to apologize for being reckless and to thank CJ for saving him. He tells her he's heard that the Baywatch lifeguards have been doing a lot at the local youth center. And if not for that youth center, he would have been running wild on the streets, brother. <laughs> so it's true. Yeah, that's right. Look, Hulk, I'm not making the kind of money I used to. Thanks to these lifeguards, I've been able to keep the center going, but <laughs> it's out of my hands now. When I was a kid, you and this place saved my rear end. I had a choice. Drugs and street life. We're getting healthy, working out, and getting my act together right here. Gee, the boys really love this gym. You know, it, it's their support system. It, it's their sanctuary. I'm afraid of what'll happen when they lose it. I'm afraid they're not gonna have your choice. I have no idea what would've happened to us without this place, but it's not a pretty picture, Oster. The property has been sold and the lifeguards don't have the money to save it, which normally if it's been sold already, no amount of money is going to save it. You're done. Hulk says, I'd be willing to help. The next scene, we see Hogan and Macho Man lifting at Muscle Beach in full wrestling gear. But apparently Muscle Beach is doubling as the youth center because they don't acknowledge that it's Muscle Beach. Not at all. It's the youth center. They talk to Sonny, the owner, about saving the place. Then we switch back to our Stephanie storyline as she tells Mitch she had a biopsy on her mole to check for skin cancer. This whole scene is full on after school PSA for protecting yourself against melanoma. Yes. It's literally like they're reading from a poster on how to protect yourself. Back at Muscle Beach, a.k.a the youth center we find out spectacularly that rick flair is the one who bought the youth center Ooh. doing his full like scooby-doo villain he along with kevin sullivan and vader are going to turn it into condos which i've been there not a good location for condos <laughs> hogan challenges him by putting the wcw championship against the escrow papers saturday at the beach oh christ mitch confronts tom who is apparently his best friend of 20 years he's concerned about tom's conflict of interest being stephanie's doctor and lover meanwhile stephanie has become sunscreen gestapo telling caroline sunscreen's not enough number eight that's all you're putting on that's what i always use steph so do you well it's not enough well i reapply it when how often I mean, number eight, you know what that means? That means if your skin burns in 10 minutes, you just have 80 minutes of protection. That's just a little over an hour. You work an eight to 10 hour shift every day in the sun, in and out of the water. You tell me you reapply eight to 10 times a day? No. And if your skin burns in just five minutes, that's just 40 minutes of protection, that's it. Don't you realize that our job makes us prime candidates for skin cancer? She's wearing pants and long sleeves all the time and warning several beachgoers about the risk of cancer. She's not just warning them. She is maniacally warning she's them. She's freaking them out. And she's also freaking out about the results of her biopsy. Amidst her freak out, Tom shows up and says, yes, it is melanoma. Then we get a sweet training montage with Hulk Hogan, Macho, and the Boys Club. With possibly the worst song I've ever heard in my so life. Bad. After more stuff with Mitch telling Stephanie that he'll be there for her, like that time she got shot and fell off a cruise ship. Just a random thing. And he fought off sharks. It's finally Saturday and Bash at the Beach. Macho Man defeats Ric Flair. 
Now it's time for Hogan vs. Vader, except going to be a cage match, which Hogan didn't agree to. Hogan wins, but not by the rules of traditional wrestling. It's just a whole different thing. He drops him with like six leg drops. Hogan gets the deed from Flair and hands it over to Sonny. Here you go, Sonny. The property, your dream and everything. You think this is the end of the episode until we see Tom tell Stephanie and Mitch that the cancer has spread. Jesus. They ended on a sad note. <laughs> Send him home depressed, everybody. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the rules of wrestling. All right, best scenes. Oh, my God. Favorite scenes? <laughs> oh, my God. It's ridiculous. Let's start off at the beginning with that fucking wave race. Exactly. That's the, my number one. The horrible ADR post-production vocals they put in this so are the, horrible. The show literally opens with Hogan and Macho Man testing the max capabilities of jet skis. Hall assing. Yes. And all of the lines are amazingly clear through ADR. Hogan at one point stops to grunt a bit at some girl. He is very lecherous. Yes. Very lecherous. And Savage doesn't even notice that Hogan's not next to him. Nope. He's just like, like he's three miles away. Yeah, he's three miles away. And he doesn't realize that Hogan has launched his jet ski into the air onto himself. It's amazing. And then when they finally drag his ass onto the beach using six hot blonde lifeguards, Macho shows up, full Macho, totally oblivious, delivering lines. Oh, like yeah. he's never delivered a line yes. before. I like these odds. Uh-huh. Hey, Hulkster, what's the deal, brother? Talk to me. It's not like you to leave me hanging and just checking out the babes and just leaving me out there. We need to have a little talk, brother, about who cut out on who. All right, let's do it right now. Come on. All right. It's atrocious. Well, the funny thing is, is he's so far ahead, but somehow behind them, the lifeguards rescue Hogan and get him to the beach before Macho gets to the beach. Yeah. The logistics of that make Which, no sense. how far away was he really? And also, everybody, we should say real quick, Kevin and I are absolutely convinced that this whole episode takes place within wrestling kayfabe. It does. Which kayfabe, and if you guys aren't used to the term kayfabe, which means it's all a part of the act. It's all a part of the, the storylines, the ethos, yeah, everything. So, so kayfabe, a, a big use of kayfabe is like, if I'm a bad guy and I'm standing by a locker talking to a good guy and someone who's not smart to the business comes into the locker room, someone will yell kayfabe and the bad guys and good guys need to separate. Yeah. It's the same as like back in the 80s when heel wrestlers would have to leave the arena in the trunk because fans wanted to legitimately kill, kill them. them. So, I mean, that more so is in the South. And then a big blow to kayfabe was when a couple wrestlers were caught buying crack together in Cleveland. Exactly. People weren't even worried about the crack as no. much as like, why are those two guys together? They broke kayfabe. Why are those two guys riding together? But throughout this whole episode, WCW and that title are legitimately a real, yes. real thing. Yes. I have when Flair shows up to the youth center in a limo. Oh, Ric Flair, so you're the developer. I thought you'd be in a pond hiding under the scum where you'd feel at home. Oh, Hogan, it's wonderful yeah. as always to see you again. And Macho Man, last time I saw your face, man, it was under my shoe. <laughs> what are you doing with your time now that you're a washed-up ex-wrestler, Flair? You know what they say, brother. Those who can do. Those who can't, don't. 
with fucking Kevin Sullivan with his face with his face paint. painted. Oh my god! Vader with his mask on, which Vader's mask for those uninitiated, not really a mask. It's an open I, face, yeah. like almost uh, muzzle. Like, yeah, it's a yeah, it's like belt. It's like a bondage, like kind of what thing. it is. So Vader pops a basketball because why not? That whole thing, Flair and Macho can't wait to like get after each other, and it's just the whole challenge and setup is so crazy. What makes it even weirder, though, is that Vader, at the time this was released, yeah. was not even in WCW anymore. He was gone for almost a year, yeah. and this gets released. Yep. Let's stick with the wrestling within this. When they get to the big Bash at the Beach event, which they used footage from the actual 1995 Bash at the Beach, what they filmed right there on Huntington Beach, they proceed to do promos while the Baywatch guys, like CJ and Cody, are interviewing him, yet for some reason, these wrestlers who are trained to be promo kings on the stick don't know where to look <laughs> at what camera or who they are actually talking to. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bash at the Beach. We want all of you to come down because we want to help save the Venice Boys Athletic Center. And here to help us save it is Hulk Hogan, the WCW Heavyweight Champion. You're going up against one of the meanest bone crushers in town. What's your strategy, Hulk? Well, you know something, brother. What he doesn't understand is that Hulkamania is going to be running wild, dude. And with the largest arms in the world, saving the Venice Boys Club, the WCW yeah. heavyweight yeah. title on the line, yeah. and the Baywatch babes watching my back, I'm going to break him in half, brother. So how do you feel about your match today? Julie, I'm glad you asked me that question. I am the tower of power, too sweet to be sour, funky like a monkey, sky's the limit and space is the place, ooh yeah. There is literally a hard B camera guy looking up at him. At one point, Flair breaks the fourth wall, looks dead at the camera you're not <laughs> supposed to look at. Hogan is looking off into the nether realm, and Macho is just doesn't even know where he's at. Yeah. I don't get it. I got the montage. Well, shakes with the clinch of his fist. He's a force to be reckoned with. Tough as nails, he's a son of a gun. He means business to get the job done. A born leader, he's number one. Way to steal, he's a champion because he's tougher than tough. You know he's got the right stuff. That song, it's like. Basically, the whole premise of the montage is, from a kayfabe standpoint, it's like, we got to train, get ready. It's like, well, this, this, sorry, but this training you're doing, like, two days before the fight isn't really going to help much. No. But it's basically just the youth center boys chasing them. They're playing this horrendous song. <laughs> the, the song? I kid you not. Listen to it. At one point... It sounds like the dude says Ray Steele is the champion. Yeah. And then from a production standpoint, it's kind of like, well, we thought we could fill a whole episode with this stuff. And we I don't can't. know that we can't. Hey, Hulk, you and uh, Randy, you think you can just do some stuff? He's like, yeah, I got you, brother. Come on, brother. All you brothers. Come on, let's race. And I love the kids holding American flags like they're fighting foreigners. Yeah. They're running down the beach with American flags. It's crazy. You know what, Kevin? Let's get to the serious moments of this. Let's talk about the very fucking end. It's Tom. Mitch. I'm here. Is it spread? Yes. 
where you think good has triumphed over evil. Hogan beats Vader. Yes. Stephanie, guess what? Your cancer is spread. Good night, everybody. Jesus Christ. The cancer subplot in this derailed the entire episode. It's so crazy. It's it's, it's horrible. It's like it was written. It's like, okay, we're going to write this season. We're going to write the linear plot of Baywatch for this season from point A to point Z. Now, it's not enough to fill up full episodes. So we need to do other stuff, but it's just, this has such like a, a contrast between wrestling and a deed to a youth center while there's a very serious, like after school special going on about cancer. The one thing that throws me off is I feel like this whole episode was supposed to be about cancer and skin awareness, but all of a sudden they got a call saying, holy shit, we can get Hogan, Macho Man, Flair. Throw them in there somehow. That's what it seemed well, like. And it's almost like a like laughing in the face of melanoma because it's like you do a very serious episode about melanoma and yeah. then you have Hulk Hogan and Macho Man who are very tan and leathery. Hulk Hogan is a human hot dog. Why did Stephanie never talk to him and go, yeah. hey, Hulk, why don't you wear SPF 3000? Yeah. Something. I love that scene, which isn't on my best scenes, but I love the scene of Stephanie just full blown, like shaking people on the beach. Are you using sunblock? You should be putting some on. Oh, hi, SPF. Excuse me. Do you have sunscreen on? Oh, I do. You do? I good, good. Sunblock? Okay. And keep reapplying frequently, okay? Especially as you sweat it when you go in the water. Okay. Yeah, thanks. Do you have sunblock on? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. okay. Don't forget to use sunblock, okay? Right. I'm obsessed. I mean, I was like a crazy person at the beach today, lecturing people. And it's also the way like the camera effects were set up because there's a lot of like strobe it's camera effects. It's very much like this, like uh, Jesse Spano sort of thing. Yeah, yeah I'm so like, excited. Yeah, and it's like, this isn't sunscreen. This is tanning lotion. This is directly burning. And then like, she's like, are you wearing sunscreen? Do you have sunscreen? And she's shaking people. It's crazy. At this point, you fuck off already, yeah. please? Right. God damn. Well, someone I really would have liked to have seen in this universe is, of course, David McCall. Hey, I was on Baywatch, okay? It all could have been different, Mr. Walker. You should have allowed nature to take its course. Would have been a fantastic lifeguard because we've seen him do like the all the crazy running through the woods and stuff. His audition tape's pretty good. Now, preventing him from killing any of the lifeguards. The opening credit scene with David McCall would be interesting considering he had Nicole Faeva carved into his <laughs> belly with a bick. Yeah. Explain that to it, Mitch. Come on. All right. Logic. Jesus, where do you start? I So first I have the lifeguards know who Hulk Hogan is, but not when he's unconscious. Not at all. Only when he wakes up. How do you not identify a man that is the only other man in the world that looks like that? It's like, as soon as he wakes up, they're like, it's Hulk Hogan. It's like, at this time, he's what? Late forties, early fifties man who looks like a hot dog, has a handlebar mustache, that fucking hair. Yeah. They, it's like his rigs out. I mean, come on. <laughs> he shouldn't eat that sushi brother. Uh, but then even like to double down on how bad it is when he wakes up and they're like, it's Hulk Hogan. All the lifeguards have this epiphany. You like wrestling? Yeah. I love wrestling. They all 
love wrestling. Here's another thing I don't understand for the life of me. Explain to me when the kid is standing on the rocks <laughs> and he's fucking around because that's what kids do because they're indestructible. It's like a break wall. Like it's like yeah, a natural. It's a, it's a break wall. It's a natural formation of rocks. However, a natural formation of rocks, a natural spongy ass rock well, just what? doesn't appear. Natural, natural formation of rocks, one unnatural rock. One very unnatural rock that all of a sudden had a spring to it. It looked like one of the rocks that falls off the aggro crag. Yes, that kid literally fell into the ocean and got trapped under the aggro crag rock. Meanwhile... What if I told you about making up stories? But mom. Can it, Matthew? Hogan saves him by once again making so many unnecessary grunts. It sounds like he's going to take a shit. It's bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So speaking of that, it's later on my list. One, Hogan tells Vader he was hoping to have a match where he had to keep his eyes open. I'm not sure what that means. Blindfold is he match. saying he could beat him with his eyes closed, but he's saying it in a more complicated way? Hogan is like such a strange dude because he's not funny. But then two, Kevin Sullivan tells Flair. Nature oh, boy. Hulk's too good at getting in between those ropes. He's too agile for Vader. You know that. Cage, Taskmaster. Once Vader's got him in the cage, he'll never get away. So Flair knows that this is going to be a cage match. Yeah. But Hogan doesn't. And when Kevin Sullivan and Flair are discussing it, Kevin Sullivan tells Flair his concerns that Hogan is too agile for Vader. He lumbers. No has ever accused Hogan of being too agile. Also, to compound on that point, who brings the stuff? The ring? Because, like, Hogan is the one who made the challenge. Does yeah. he arrange for the ring to be there? And if so, does Flair bring the cage? Because, like, Hogan <laughs> lets them put a cage on the ring. Just come over to my house. I got the ca- I got the Slim Jim cage. That's what I mean. They, like, who set this up? Does Hogan, like, call his promoter and be like, oh, brother, I, I need something on two days' notice. I need you to put together a show <laughs> down at the beach. Let's compound this whole scene more. Hogan is working out in full gear. Yeah, I love it. Not Macho Man. Nobody else is in full gear. He is. Well, the thing, so going back, the the kid who's in uh, trapped, who's who's dead. I'm sorry, he's yeah, dead. He's done. The kid who's trapped under the rocks, underneath the water, while his friend just looks on, can't do anything. Hogan becomes a lifeguard when he runs with CJ. The amount of pain it looks like he's in when he's running. I've never seen a guy run and then I hurt from watching yeah, somebody right. else run. And I'm like, Kevin Sullivan just accused him of being too agile. And here's the thing, in real life. Hulk Hogan has had how many hip surgeries yeah. and he's had hip replacements. He looks like he needed one right then. And I think they said over his career, he lost like four inches of height from just doing the leg drop. Yeah. The constant. Well, he does it six times in the match. Yeah. And raising his leg to do a big boot 40 times in his match. But- how did he not Hulk up in this entire episode? I know. How did well, he not? It seems like he was going to when he got revived from CPR. That's very true. He should have. But we should also talk about the logic of how they production screwed up a fucking wrestling match. If you not watch one Hulk Hogan <laughs> match, three punches, big boot, leg drop. We see three punches, leg drop, 
No pinfall. No. I'm pretty There's not even a count. I'm pretty sure that there is a pinfall in the Savage Flare match. There is. But like you see, so in the Savage Flare match, you see recycled footage. Oh, big time. They show the same sequence of punches two or three times. You see like something where like Savage will slam Flare and start walking towards the ropes. But then they like cut to a different camera angle and he's like not over. It's so the continuity of the matches is so bad. And the sound effects, the Foley. On yes. the punches, it's horrible. Hogan wins with no count. He just yeah, fucking it's wins. Just, he doesn't escape the cage. He doesn't pin him. It's like Hogan hits the leg drop and then they show him. It's it's so weird. So in this universe, Hogan and Savage were troubled youths who grew up together. That's what it came across as. They were saved by the youth center, which is actually just Muscle Beach. Because you find out that if it wasn't for Sonny, neither of them would be here. So yeah. in this universe, they're playing themselves, but Hogan and Savage grew up together. I would also like to think that Sonny adopted both of them, which would be even better. And how much this episode aired how much sooner than Hogan? heel turn okay so this aired on february 19th 96 so it was another roughly five months five before months the turn. before the turn imagine if this would have been post nwo that would have been amazing <sighs> i would have loved to see nwo hogan at the beach and so it'd be too sweet spray paint in the lifeguard tower Oh my God. Also, I want to mention the fact this whole cancer angle, which derails the episode. I love serious Mitch talking to Tom in his cabin. What's up? I, uh, I saw Stephanie this afternoon. She seemed pretty upset. Oh, come on, Mitch. I can't talk about Stephanie. You know, doctor patient confidentiality applies no matter what. Does it apply if I know she had a biopsy for skin cancer? All right, Mitch. Come on, we're best pals, right? We've drank from the same milk carton, but there are rules in medicine. Okay. Isn't it a basic rule that you don't treat someone that you're emotionally involved with or uh, attached to or possibly in love with? It's that obvious, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's that obvious. Backstory. Mitch is a lifeguard. Hence, he lives on the beach. It's 80 to 90 degrees every day. <laughs> Mitch, I guess, gets chilly at night when it's 85 degrees outside to light a fire for his friend of 20 plus years. Okay, so that's my last logic point. How old would you say that Tom and Mitch are? Mitch, at this time, where you can see, and I told you, we're on season six of Baywatch. This is 1996. Mitch starting to get that old guy body, been out in the sun a lot, starting to wither away around the shoulders. I'm thinking Mitch has got to be 48, 49. Tom does look at least five to 10 years younger than Mitch. Yeah, so Tom makes a comment that they used to share from the same milk carton. Is that a euphemism? <laughs> I think it is because they both shared Stephanie. Yeah. Well, oh, <laughs> mommy milkers. Yeah. Uh, so it says they used to share from the same milk carton. Mitch says they go back 20 years. So I was trying to figure out, does he mean share? Because at first when he said shared from the same milk carton, I was like, like at school lunch or yeah, something. Are you that fucking when cheap? When I thought of milk from a milk carton, I yeah. just thought of school lunch. But then I'm like, wait a minute, were they roommates? Like in a in like a dorm or a, an apartment, and they would just drink out they're of milk carton. Bosom buddies, yeah. Like so, bosom they're buddies. 75 years old in but this. That's, that's what I mean. That's I'm what like, it comes across. It's so it's such a weird sort of comment. But I think there might be, and it might have even been in another episode and something I read. But Tom was a former lifeguard. Okay, who became a who became a dermatologist? Because why not? 
I don't know. And here's the other thing, too, we need to bring up. Mitch and Stephanie used to be longtime lovers, apparently. And like I said, they work together, shit happens. There's one scene in which Stephanie is awaiting to find out if this is spread. Her and Mitch are walking on the beach holding each other very weird and then stephanie basically says like you said i got shot off of a boat and you saved my life i don't want you to ever leave me i don't basically i don't want to live my life when you're not around which to me comes off as a full declaration of love meanwhile tom who is trying to save this woman's life just seems to be an afterthought i get it if you're together with somebody for a long time and you break up and you still work together feelings are going to be there but it's so weird on how she delivers them because she starts crying and yearningly hugs mitch yeah. while well, her all, face is buried into his taco meat you know, chest hair. it almost led to this idea that mitch objects to tom being her doctor and her lover yeah because that's ethical too look what he does and then stephanie can fight like mitch you said you'd always be there you almost think like, okay, they've cracked the window a little bit for Mitch to crawl back in and be like, Tom, you can't be her lover because you're her doctor. I'll be her lover. How did they not go there with that? I don't know. Seriously. But then it's weird too, because like, why can't Mitch be with her? I mean, we'd have to go back and watch. Yeah to find out what the story was but he's like is it because he has a grown son because he also would have had a grown son when they were love like i don't know <laughs> everything on this show that happens happens to stephanie Always. it's like the writers are like well it can't happen to pam she's a gorgeous woman that's being bleached she's way too pretty can't happen uh we'll we'll have stephanie get shot and fall off a cruise ship we'll have stephanie get cancer like they just do everything to stephanie the money had to have been tremendous yeah for her to constantly have her character just eat shit well, all the time to use a wrestling term stephanie takes the heat you get the hot tag to, to cj or the hot tag to yasmin belief yeah totally agree so all right what's the legacy of both Baywatch and WCW. Baywatch. Baywatch Nights, which analyzing that real quick is... A, a, a Baywatch movie in 2017. Which is a dumb, fun movie. It's uh, a yeah. dumb, fun movie. You replaced Hasselhoff, who's with, in the movie. Yeah. But you replace him with The, the Rock. Rock. <laughs> and then you replace the lifeguards with other young, beautiful women. Yeah. And it's kind of the same deal, the same aesthetic. Zac Efron. Same gimmick. Yeah. And uh, Zac Efron. It's neat. Like, Baywatch will always be remembered as the horny beach soap opera yeah it's a pop culture icon i you know watching this i didn't remember it being that cheesy i am sincere when i say i would like to go back and watch some Baywatch. i agree i want to see some of this like crazy serial killer stuff and the, the earthquake and the legacy of wcw Ugh. is a cautionary tale of throwing money around without really knowing what you're doing, putting the wrong people in charge. And like Jim said earlier, it's the inmates should never run the asylum. And that's what sank them. That is what sank them. They let people have too much power. Hulk Hogan. Yeah. It's like you can read any number of wrestler books like Jericho's book where he talks about they were so focused on the top guys that Jericho literally, they were just like, just go out there and do whatever you want. And that's what he did. And that's what he did. And that led to him getting the WWF deal and jumping ship and some of these other guys because WCW didn't care. They just were so caught up in the NWO angle and WCW for those who haven't seen it. So the whole company revolved around the top guys, but how many classic matches did they have with the top guys? Barely any. 
but how many classic matches did they have with those guys who were allowed to go out and do whatever they wanted? There's a reason the cruiserweights top Nitro every yeah, fucking Malenko week. Malenko and Psychosis. Mysterio. And Mysterio. Silver Jericho, King. Silver King. Super Colo. El Dandy. Yeah. Yeah. But they... Uh, Guerrero. Yeah, just a, a cautionary tale. I do sincerely love like Halloween Havoc. Oh yeah, and sold out in these like they, they put a lot of theming elements behind and things. They had these I cool that. characters like Mortis and uh, WCW NWO Revenge is an amazing video game that I will always love. Okay, well I think we've about wrapped it up. Why don't we move to Final Lap Guy? Yeah, the Final Lap. Well, we probably should have had Michael Buffer in that spot this week, except we would have had to pay him like $150,000 per appearance. I'm surprised he didn't ask to be paid for his background appearance within this episode in which they didn't use his voice, <laughs> but an ADR who fucking called Hogan, what, the total package? The total package. Wrong dude. <laughs> Christ. Well, they... Would have had to pay him like $150,000. And speaking of Michael Buffer, who made his living as a boxing announcer. So yesterday, last night it happened. We saw the footage today. Did you see Mike Tyson knock around that guy on the airplane? Was the guy just annoying him and he just knocked him the fuck out? Yeah, so the dude filming and the dude that was being filmed, both are just absolutely trashed. Just, I mean, beyond trash. They're using racial slurs. It's pretty uncomfortable, embarrassing for them. The dude is literally nonstop talking to the back of Tyson's seat. And Tyson is doing his best to just look forward. Ignore him. Ignore the guy. I don't know what the final straw was. He probably. I don't know if somebody in Tyson. Yeah, he might have said something yeah. racial. I don't know if like somebody in Tyson's crew told him, hey, dude, get out of here. And he still didn't. But it ends up with Tyson, who doesn't look like he's hitting the guy very hard. But then the guy got all bloodied up. Oh, well, now the guy went to the cops. We'll see if anything comes of it, because even if there's some drunk idiot yelling shit at the back of your head, you can't hit people. Uh, You know what I mean? You might maybe should be able to. But but if this sack of shit guy was being fucking racist. Yeah. And how I mean, when is enough enough? We've talked about this before. Enough's enough. That's right. Yeah. Nitro. Part two of my therapy from last week. We oh, that's right. Those for who tuned in. What did we even cover last week? You had a long rant about the car. Oh, we covered speed. That's right. Last week. I couldn't even remember that for a second. Probably because of the stress I went through buying a car. So I did, uh, was able to find a car. Maybe not the color I wanted, but a color I was fine with. I bought a black vehicle. I bought a package above what I would have bought from a trim level, but again fine paid more than i wanted to pretty much all the qualifiers but i'm happy to be done searching now the one annoyance or multiple annoyances about the process was spent a little bit of time going back and forth on the price finally got him to come down so i'm happy with that by the time we signed the paperwork all the detailing guys and those guys had went home so they were basically like listen we'll get it all ready for you you can either take it home tonight bring it back tomorrow or and leave it here. We'll have it ready for you tomorrow. Yeah, so, we're leaving it. So we leave it. Come back to you the next day. Now, this car, it's like one step below autonomous. And it has certain self-driving features and things like that. But while we're sitting there learning all of these things, because I've never had a car like this. I've always had like, hey, turn the key and press the gas and go. And you're good. And now I've got all these like robot things. And my car will actually tell me if it thinks I'm tired. 
Great. Don't it, you need that? It'll tell me like pull over and get a cup of coffee. Like it'll tell me that I'm tired, which means we're literally like one step away from fucking Skynet. We are almost there. From one step of like my car saying, hey, dude, you're pissing me off. <laughs> What's next? Hey, that fart, you shit yourself, man. My <laughs> seat is wet. Hey, asshole, you're going to be late for work. What are you doing? It's like Kit. Speaking of Hasselhoff. Yeah. Um. So we're sitting in the car. We're learning all the, the bells and whistles. We're going through everything. And I get like a check engine sort of light comes on and says low tire pressure. And I'm saying, what? So the car I purchased had just arrived at the lot, like few hours, like very minimally before I bought the car. It came off one of the trucks, was parked and I bought it. Now the guy said, this happens sometimes, you know, they bring them from the, you know, the plant, they put them on a truck from sitting there could be blah, blah, blah. Okay. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. We go through service. We put air in tire. I go home. I drive it most of the day, Saturday, wake up Sunday morning on Easter. We went out for Easter dinner, lunch, whatever it was. I have a fucking flat tire. Uh, oh, and I text the guy on Easter cause I'm an asshole. And I say, I don't want it repaired. I want a brand new tire. Like, because you can't trust these guys. No, they're just going to so, go half-ass patch. Yeah, exactly. So I get a paint pen and I, with a paint pen, I write bad on the tire. <laughs> I colored in part of the tire blue nice. because I was like, I'm not, I'm going to make it as difficult as possible. If they even think yeah. about replacing this or repairing this tire, I'm going to know because I'm fucking marked it. So I get a text message a little bit after I dropped it off. That was like, we couldn't repair it. We're getting you a new tire. We have to bring one in from another lot because we don't have one. So a couple hours later, I get it with a new tire. You know, don't have to pay anything, whatever. Because I wasn't going to. Yeah, kiss my ass. So, all is well that ends well, but it's just like... The hassle. The hassle of you, everything. You didn't need more stress. And like, again, I have like friends who, who work in, you know, work in car lots. I respect it, whatever. But like, sometimes they make it so impossible. So the dude that we bought my wife's car off of a couple weeks ago wasn't there. So that's fine, whatever. So they're like, we're going to get you squared away. They, they put me with this other dude, this, you know, big, super fit, looks like a crossfit freak sirloin like, beef some bitch yeah like he seemed nice whatever cool but then i sit with him for like five minutes and they come over and they're like you can't sit with him and i'm like what like i'm not wearing pink on wednesday what's <laughs> happening and apparently at some point in the past my wife had texted kia to ask them a question and since the one guy returned her question he now has ownership over us so i had to work with him but he was there doing someone's lease return. What? That is not my problem. What the fuck? They're like, well, we have to be fair. You know, if somebody like worked with you, you have to deal with them. And I'm like, I didn't work with him. I don't know. Your him. wife did. And she didn't even work with him. Yeah. She just like, Jesus asked for information and they texted him or he texted her like so stupid. So then I, that was another reason I ended up waiting there longer because this dude was literally trying to sell me a car and trying to do a lease return for someone else at the same time. And he's going back and forth. Like everybody was like a saved by the bell. Great. So, so I signed my life away. I'll hope to pay my car off before I retire. <laughs> basically it's done done it's super nice i love it yeah it's really Can't nice wait to take it on some road trips but uh yeah very very stressful we'll take that to bush gardens and hope a goose hits us in the face when we ride apollo's chariot yeah that's what i'm naming my vehicle apollo's chariot <laughs> so obnoxious put fabio and the goose airbrushed put on a the fucking hood. purple what stripe if I bought on this it? car and spent that much money and then literally airbrushed the hood with fabio and i love it it'd be the greatest because i would love for you to have to take that in for a fucking tune-up and they see fabio <laughs> 
video on the hood of your car with a goose exploding a goose on his face. face. You're gonna be like, what the fuck is this? Uh, uh, I can't believe it's not butter. Yeah, it's a goose. That's right. Goose shit. All right. Well, next week we will return to regularly scheduled programming, not more Baywatch, although we're tempted. Episode 99. No swimming pools in Baywatch, just the ocean. Just the ocean. You don't need a pool. What are you, a wimp? Come on. There are no dumbbells in here, baby. There are just my balls. What? Adam Sandler. <laughs> oh, that's right. All right. Well, next week, it's a movie. We're getting closer to 100, but you're going to have to wait to see what it is. But keep your guesses coming. Let us know what you think episode 100 will be. It may surprise you or it may not at all. I think it's really going to surprise you. All right, until next week, silencia. 